Welcome back to the show. I'm Ryan Gatenby, and time for my next guest, who is a number one world best-selling author, screenwriter, and filmmaker. His highly anticipated new book, Big Tree, is now available wherever books are sold, and we're going to visit with Brian Selznick. And Brian, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Ryan. I'm really happy to be here with you. How are you? How are things going where you are? Good. I'm, I'm in the middle of a big tour, traveling around, talking about Big Tree, and so I'm uh, really in, enjoying finally having the book out in the world, and uh, really happy to be talking to you. Yeah, so having the book out in the world, take us on a little bit of the journey as an author for this one, like from the concept to the release and, and now out on a book tour. How, how long of a, a process is that? Yeah, this book in particular has had a very unusual uh, journey to uh, its publication day. Uh, it, it started about five years ago um, when I got a call from Steven Spielberg about uh, writing a movie for him. And he flew me out to Los Angeles and I got to have this wow. really, yeah, really, really exciting uh, conversation about this idea he had. He realized he'd never seen a movie about nature from nature's point of view. He essentially wanted a movie about plants starring sorry, plants. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, that sounds like a really uh, challenging idea. And I didn't really know if it was possible, but I certainly wanted to meet him. So I, uh, you know, I f- went and we had a great conversation and so exciting to think about it. He wanted to set the story uh, during the Devonian era before the time of the dinosaurs, when the world was mostly covered in plants, which made sense. But uh, it turns out the Devonian era, because there was very little biodiversity, very few insects, the world was mostly covered with ferns. And I wasn't entirely sure a movie about ferns on a planet of ferns would be something (laughs) anybody would really want to see. So eventually, I I proposed that we move the story to the end of the Cretaceous era, by which point there was full biodiversity. The forests looked like our forests, which seemed important. There, the, there, there was a meteorite heading towards the planet that was about to destroy all life on Earth, which seemed like a good parallel with the kind of existential threat that uh, our planet is facing right now with sure. the climate. And uh, I ended up working on this for a couple of years with uh, Steven Spielberg and his co-producer, Chris Melodandry. And then the pandemic hit, and, be, and it became clear very quickly that the movie was one of the things that w- was going to... Uh, stop because of the pandemic. There was, the, the movie was never going to happen. But I, I fell in love with the story. I fell in love with the characters. So I proposed to Chris and Steven that they let me have permission to turn the narrative I had written as a screenplay into an illustrated book. And I wasn't going to do any drawings for the movie. It was going to be animated uh, by animators. But as a as an illustrator of books, I then was able to really c- complete everything and, and, and draw it and write it and uh, worked on the book for about a year and a half or so, two years. And uh, here we are. So when you were writing this initially, you're thinking visually. And so that kind of that helped to inform you as you're doing the illustrations for this. Exactly. Like, you know, as a as a. As a movie, it was going to be, you know, mostly visual as movies are, but I think visually anyway. So even so, when I'm writing any of my books, uh, I start by think, by seeing things in my mind, and then I 
sort of describe what it is I'm seeing in my mind, even before I actually draw. Even though I've seen things first, I write them down and then I eventually will draw. So I had the great advantage of, of having a almost completed screenplay that had the descriptions of these big visual sequences. So some of those sequences translated directly into the book and I was able to do these uh, long illustrated picture sequences, which I've been doing kind of since the invention of Hugo Cabret, where I was trying, you know, which was a little bit about the early history of cinema. And I was telling parts of the story visually with these long sequences, like, you know, your listeners could imagine like the wild rumpus from where the wild things are by Maurice Sendak. It's just page after page after page of pictures. And that was a big inspiration for me. And so for Big Tree, I was able to take some of those visual sequences that would have been essentially the camera, you know, even though it was going to be animated, it would be like the camera was moving through the forest and following the characters and going down under the water and up the necks of dinosaurs and things like that. So I could do things like that visually. But then other moments I realized, oh, no, I need to describe this in text so the reader can either imagine what's happening or feel an emotion uh, that's more clear or have dialogue. Because when it was a movie, we were trying to figure out like where the faces were going to go on the scenes uh, because we couldn't imagine a movie where the main characters didn't have faces. But as a book, I realized, you know, I had had a rule when I was writing that everything had to be based in science. So plants can actually communicate with each other. So talking plants is actually based in science. So I realized I should do the same rule for the pictures. So the, the, the plants and the seeds in Big Tree have no faces because plants have no faces. So in order to get across emotion, it was about perspective. It was about gesture. It was about the light and then allowing uh, some of these ideas to come out in the text. And then being able to do that very successfully with with the captivating illustrations, like you know, sometimes we'll have illustrations accompany a story. The the illustrations are as as much of the story as the text. They're essential in in moving the story along. It's like I'm anticipating what's going to happen from one from one illustration to the next. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I very I very much want you to feel. I mean, I guess any good book will make you feel immersed in the story. Even if there's no pictures, you know, we all feel strongly about what characters look like when we're reading a story that has no pictures because we, we imagine uh, things in our minds. Like we're, we're all actually artists and illustrators when we're, when we're reading because the, the words are helping us to imagine these characters and the stories and the places. But because I actually use illustrations as part of the storytelling, it allows us hopefully to become fully immersed in, in the world. So you feel like you're going on the adventure along with these two little seeds, Merwin and Louise. You know, and I don't know if, uh, if future generations will even know what it means. Like, Oh, I thought the book was better than the movie when we're constantly, (laughs) you know, surrounded by, streaming content but i think what you it, there is something there as you're reading a story you're you're picturing the characters and you're picturing the world that the artist has created and maybe when that's not um that can sometimes be disappointing when you see the movie or the movie can blow you away and say wow i never imagined the character like that yeah i think part of the reason people often are disappointed by movies is because of that gap between what they've imagined and what the reality of an actual person that they've cast or the animator has designed, whatever it is, that that gap can can lead to disappointment. But as you said, sometimes 
people get it right and it can be very, very exciting. Um, but the, the physical object of the book is very important to me. I, I was an independent bookseller for a while. I grew up loving reading. And, and I think it's interesting that today with the proliferation of devices and the idea that there are so many different ways we can read and get information, physical books are still actually doing really well and independent bookstores that are parts of the, that are part of their community are thriving right now because I believe parents love the idea that the that there's a physical object that they can share with their children that that they can where there's a story that they can get uh, lost in together and having this thing in your hand that only does one thing right a book does one thing it it opens the pages turn and it tells its story but then that object has, it, I don't know, it's a little bit like a, a, a treasure. It, it, it opens up, it reveals this narrative, and you can return to it again and again if you love the book. And we know that kids, you know, if they really like something, they especially like to read things uh, many, many times. Um, so, so the idea of, the, of working out the story as, a phys, as this beautiful physical object, I'm also, you know, I very much like to design every aspect of my book. So when a young person picks it up, they think, someone must care about me because they put a lot of work into the design of the book, the, the way it's bound, the, the choices, all the colors. And they, and they might not even think it consciously, but they'll, they'll have, I want them to have a sense that they are important and that they're worth having all of this work in the physical book itself. I love hearing you say that. And, and my daughter would live at the library if you could. So seven years old, <laughs> and I, I hope she continues to be you know, such a, a, a voracious reader. Um, I did want to mention, Brian, you have a couple local events coming up. We want to mention on April 29th, you'll be at the Chicago Children's Theater. April 30th, and you talked about independent bookstores, one of the best in the country, Anderson's Bookshop, hosting an event at the Community Christian Churches Theater, and then May 1st at Skokie Public Library. You're in the Chicago area for a few days. Any plans to uh, you know, do something exciting? Not that a book tour well, isn't exciting enough. I know. It's, it's, that's pretty exciting to me. And I, I've been friends with Jackie Russell at the Chicago Children's Theater for a, a really long time, and I have been doing events with Andersons for almost my entire career. And so just being back with my old friends and seeing people who I love, meeting new people, and having these incredible opportunities to talk to audiences about the books. Because in my events, I have, a, I have a presentation that I do, and I show images of the process. But then my favorite part is I get to do a converse, have a conversation with the audience, and we answer questions, and I love hearing the questions that people have. And so just being able to be there uh, and talk with everyone, I, I'm very, very excited about. And, and then I'll probably pop over to the Art Institute and say hello to the Thorn Miniature Rooms and uh, all, all my favorites over there yeah. as well. Uh, and, uh, and of course, I, yeah, I had an amazing time at the Joffrey, too. I, I, I wrote the uh, Nutcracker that's playing there with the, that Christopher Wielden um, dire- uh, choreographed and directed. So I, I love being in Chicago. The new book is Big Tree. It is now available where books are sold. Check out some of those great events that we mentioned. The author, of course, is uh, Brian Selznick. Brian, it was uh, great to talk to you. Appreciate you calling in today, and uh, best of luck with the book. Have a great time in Chicago. Thanks so much. It was great to talk to you. 
And welcome back to the show. It's time for my next guest, who is an actress, writer, producer, and DIY home renovator. She is featured in the new movie Air, which is now playing, and we are going to visit with Gabrielle Bourne. And uh, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Good to be here. How are you? How are things where you are? Uh, doing great. I'm currently in New Orleans. Oh, wow. Um, for a, a beach volleyball tournament out there, out here that my husband is playing in, so... We took a little uh, plane ride last night from L.A. We're doing good. That's a long flight from L.A. Do you? And it's it a, a couple of time zones. Or are you are you still messed up? It is no, not too bad. We got a good night's sleep last oh, night. We have a, we have the three year old here with us. So that can be a little crazy, but but it's it's fun to be traveling with dad. You know, this time. Now, how do you are you able to successfully juggle home and family? Because I've got a seven year old. That can be really tough. It is tough. Um, it's really challenging, uh, especially, you know, my husband's got big dreams, too. He's a professional beach volleyball player. So right. it can be challenging going back and forth between his dreams and my dreams um, with the three year old for sure. But but, you know, now that she's in school, I've, I've, I'm working on finding a good balance between the, the home renovation projects and acting. Um, and it's definitely a pull back and forth. I find that the that the home renovation projects call my name um, because, you know, I, I can be a one man show and, and do everything myself, which makes it really easy. And it's so satisfying to see a good before and after of a renovation. Um, and, you know, with acting, the, the journey is a lot more um behind the scenes work and then you know there's those times you get on set and get to see the the finished product of the movie which is um which is the most one of the most satisfying parts is just being on set and getting to work um so you know it's definitely a balance a tug a tug back and forth you're really doing all of these renovations yourself because i know when we see it on tv there's the cast or the host, but I have to imagine there's a lot of people working behind the scenes before that airs. You know, I was thinking the same thing. I was watching Fixer Upper on the plane and (laughs) I was thinking the same thing. I am, I'm doing, I'm doing all the renovations myself. I had, I had some, you know, when, when we first bought the house initial to get it kind of ready to move in, I had um, some subcontractors who were helping me with move quickly so we could get to the point where we could move in. But I, I built the kitchen completely myself and um and I tiled myself and and I did all the other projects that you can see on my social media um like you know built-in fireplace surrounds and and all that stuff everything I'm doing now is completely by myself um I kind of am under the impression that well for certain things hire someone once learn how to do it and then yeah. you can do it for the for the rest of the time yourself Well, I may have to call you for some advice later because we just uh, moved in here about a year and a half ago and are slowly renovating and we're on to cabinets and countertops. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Call me anytime. What's great is um, everything's on YouTube these days. So that's kind of that's kind of my source. If I have a question about a project or I want to do a specific thing, I find my inspiration first, whether it's on Pinterest or Instagram or whatever. And then I just kind of Google all the steps that it takes to do it. And I watch videos or read blog posts or whatever it is. And 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 it's so cool how much is available now these days and to learn. 
Well, let's talk about the movie. It is Air and, of course, based on a true story. How familiar were you with either Michael Jordan or, or the industry that is the Air Jordans before you started work on the film? I was not familiar about the origin story of Air Jordan and kind of um, what Nike was going through in the 80s. It's funny. I got the script and told my husband about it. And he's like, oh, I have um, Shoe Dog. Uh, I, I read it recently. It was it was already in our bookshelf. So I, I got to reading that after I read the script and kind of learned more about Phil Knight's side of the story. But, um, you know, it's cool because the movie kind of tells a different part of the story following Sonny Vaccaro that hasn't really been told as much before. Right. Um, so So there was a lot of stuff in there that I had no idea about. So who do you play in the film or what is your role? I play Tiffany. I play um, a secretary in the Nike office. They call her Sunny Vaccaro's secretary, but it's it's a bit of a joke, and you'll see why in the movie. I don't okay. want to give anything away, <laughs> but um, but yeah, she's a secretary in the Nike's in the Nike office. So I got to you know ha- go back to the eighties and and go through the hair and makeup and wardrobe for that, which is really fun. It's a lot different from kind of the way that I sure. dress day to day. So that was a lot of fun. Now, I read that your your character was originally only intended um, for, for just a few days, but grew that you were there for nearly um, a, a month on the set. Do you know what the what the spark was with, with the actors that kind of put that into motion? Yeah. So, you know, I obviously don't know completely what goes on behind the scenes, but from right. my perspective, I, I went on, I went, I went on for my one day. I had this one scene with, uh, with Jason Bateman. And, um, while I'm still there on set, the AD came up to me and he's like, Hey, you know, what are you doing for the next few weeks? We're, we're, we, we'd love to have you back. Nice. And I'm like, Hey, I'm around. Let's, let's go. And so they, they did, they called me back. Um, several days over the next three weeks I was you know kind of the running joke that we would think it was my last day and then they'd call me back again and I was always happy to come back um but I think you know they were they were kind of playing with it as they went and once they established this Nike office um and you know they were in the bullpen a lot my my desk is right outside Sonny Vaccaro's office and so it was kind of this thing of oh when we're in the area we want you there and you know they would kind of add in little things here and there um as we went which was really fun I mean you've got such an incredible cast here and of course uh directed by Ben Affleck fun to see Ben and Matt working together from from an outsider's perspective for me that seems like it would be like a a positive encouraging vibe on set oh yeah it was i mean it's one of the best sets i've ever been on every i mean even just the crew everybody it was like there's obviously such a huge crew working on a movie of this size but everybody was just so happy to be there and um everything just ran so smoothly and yeah it was really fun to see the guys working together and their dynamic um it was kind of like a a really collaborative thing where you know they would they would do a scene or whatever and then they'd go and they'd huddle and they'd kind of talk it out and it was kind of everybody involved in in everything um so it was it was really cool to be a part of and there day after day kind of witnessing how they work together. 
So how does that affect you as as an actress, that atmosphere? Maybe the cast is a little loose. It allows you to bond more. You can, you can trust each other more when you're playing a scene? Definitely. Well, I think, you know, there's a level of, um, you know, trust there because obviously from my end, I know I know the work that these people are doing. So I'm showing up knowing that I can be completely comfortable and um, and know that I'm going to get the best from them every time. And, um, you know, it, it just kind of allows you to to settle into it. Obviously, it's a little nerve wracking in the beginning because, you know, there's a lot of pressure on it. These are the best actors in the world. Um, but it was, it, you know, I felt comfortable right off the bat and felt like I, nice. you know, I, I hung. <laughs> and so it was it was a really good experience. And I'm sure you've been asked this a hundred times, but were there free shoes available? Because, you know, getting paid in vintage Jordans, <laughs> that, that could be equivalent to some salaries. I know. No, there weren't. They weren't oh, no. directly with Nike, you know, throughout. But um, that would have been pretty great. I did buy myself some, some Nikes, though, after because, you know, I just I felt like I needed to represent. And they're great shoes. So. If I still had my pair from back in high school and hung on to that, like even used oh, vintage shoes, yeah. are, they're worth like hundreds. Oh, that would be so cool. I know. I know the vintage ones are, are worth more than the new ones. It's so cool to see. There's so many different styles. Uh, so what is, uh, what's up next for you? What do you have planned? So I'm I'm working on um, writing now. Actually, I'm I'm creating kind of a a series, a comedy series based off of my um, kind of uh, builder side. So it's it's about a a female handy woman and Finnish carpenter as she navigates you know society's expectations of her in a male dominated trade. So I'm working on writing that for myself. It's called Mac of All Trades. Um, and kind of just do, doing the, the behind the scenes stuff on that right now, auditioning. Um, and then, uh, I've got some more fun renovation projects coming up. I'm, I'm going to be, uh, doing an exterior stone veneer. My oh, wow. first time doing stone veneer, um, hopefully starting next week. And I'll, I'll share that on my Instagram as well, but but I got a whole outdoor renovation coming up, which will be really fun. Air is the new movie. It is now showing and featuring my guest, Gabrielle Bourne. Well, this was fun. I, I would appreciate more home renovation tips. And uh, thanks so much for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good talking to you.